Woo! Well, good evening, everybody. Merry Christmas. I don't know about you, but I love this time of year. Is everybody having a great December so far? I know it's like there's only 20 days till Christmas. Can you believe that? But it's amazing. Uh, we welcome you to New Hope Church. For those of you who are watching live, we want to welcome you as well. And this time we're going to get ready to receive our tithes and offerings. So ushers, if you could please prepare for that. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, it was during the Christmas season that I had a friend. Uh, he came to me and he said, hey, Ben, I, I, I got to ask you a question. You know, every month I usually, I usually give, I usually tithe to the church. But this year there's some things that kind of happened and and right now I'm struggling financially. I'm like, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. Do I still give to, to the church? Do I still give to God? And, and he's like, what do, you, what do you think? And I told him, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. That's hard. And he's like, but no, what you don't understand is I, I didn't even get a chance to pick up presents for my kids. I don't know what to do. And the only thing I could tell him was, listen, I can't give you the answer. Only God can. So pray on it. And you ask the Lord. And so a week went by and he came up to me and, and he had this smile on his face. And he's like, Ben, I got to tell you a story. You know, after I talked to you about struggling financially and not knowing whether I should use the money to, to tithe or if I should use it to buy my kids presents, I prayed and I asked. And, and I ended up giving it to the church. I tithe. And what was so amazing was a couple of days later, my friend came up to me and he's like, hey, how are you doing? And he could, he, I was still kind of dealing with it. Like I was okay with it, but I wasn't okay with it. And he said, hey, I, I don't know what's going on, but for some weird reason, God kind of told me that you need this. And so he reached out his hand and, and it was an en envelope. It was money. And all he could say was, I believe God told me to give this to you. For I don't know what reason, just here, take it. And Ben, I opened the envelope and I, I looked inside and it was more than my tithe. And it was at that moment I realized something really remarkable is this. Christmas represents one simple thing. That no matter how I give, no matter what I give, I can never, ever outgive my God. See, that's the beauty of Christmas. Christmas is when we understand that God gave you and I his very best. He gave us his son. And when we trust in him and we continue to give into him, he continues to bless us profoundly. You might be here this evening and maybe... You're visiting us for the very first time, and we ask that you don't feel obligated to give, but receive this service to help you in your walk. We ask that if, if the, you're visiting us for the very first time, that you would, we, would, we, want, we want to encourage you to give wherever you attend church regularly. But can I tell you this, that when we give unto God, he takes it and multiplies it. So not just for us to be blessed, but for us to become the blessings. Amen? Would you bow your heads as we pray for our tithes and offerings this evening? Lord, you're so amazing, Lord. 
And in this season that we call Christmas, Lord, it really is understanding that, Lord, we can never outgive you. And so, Lord, this evening, as we give you our tithes and offerings, Lord, we do so knowing that what you do in it is far greater because everything you do, Lord, you do it to bless your people. You do it so that miracles and wonders can take place in the lives of people. That those who have no hope can find hope. That those who are struggling with their faith would have strong faith. That those who don't know what love is, Lord, would find love in you. And so, Lord, as we give you tonight, as we give you our tithes and offerings, Lord, we know, we trust in you. We have faith knowing that we will never be able to outgive you. And so, Lord, we thank you for loving us in the ways that you do. Thank you for giving us your very best. We love you, Lord, and we pray for all these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ben. Thank you for all that you do, even with all of our, our children. And, and your guys, your, your children are amazing. You know, when we, when we started this, uh, what we call Mighty Marvels in our children's ministry, like your, your children take on a lot, of the, a lot of the characters of the Mighty Marvels that we're creating. In fact, tonight when I stopped by at our resource center, they have different Bibles for children. And it's great Christmas gifts because we always want to make sure our children are growing up you know, getting into the word of God. And this is the perfect age because they're so young. They're interested in the things of God. We can teach our children, as the Bible says, to grow up in the ways of the Lord. And they're doing a, a, like a special promo pack where if you buy a children's Bible, you get a, uh, like a special edition Mighty Marvel card. In fact, they have a picture up here. It's a Mighty Marvel card with a button on it. And the Mighty Marvel card has like the, the, the sketches of how that one is called uh, Captain Christian. And he... Uh, there you can see like the original sketch and then the draft and then the final. But it's just a, it's just a, a wonderful thing to put together with the Bible uh, to give as a gift. And I think that's, that's so cool that we can be at a place where we can resource our children as well as parents. Because as our children grow up in the Lord, if they know God at an early age, it makes it a little bit easier for us as parents. Because I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I wasn't reading the Bible I was reading the comics and I was reading, you know, other types of uh, uh, books that were from school or whatever. But if we can teach our children about the ways of God at an early age, they're going to come to understand who he is. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Tonight's title is God with us. And we just sang that, that God is with us, Emmanuel. And I'm going to be reading from the book of Isaiah. And you can turn there. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7 will be in. But until then, you can open up your, your app if you want to because there are the notes in there and the scriptures. It will help you to follow along. But in this, in this title, God with us, just think about it. If you know the Bible well, there are only two places where this name Emmanuel is shown in the Bible or shows up in the Bible. It's in the book of Isaiah and in the book of Matthew. And Isaiah, who is a prophet, he really didn't need to say that God is with us. He didn't need to say Emmanuel that God is with us or that there will come a day that God will be with us in, in, the, in the context of that God is not here right now, but he will be here soon. He's saying God is with us, but there's going to come a day that you're going to be able to see God. Not face to face like how the Bible says no one can see God face to face lest they die. But God came in human form and he was prophesying about Jesus Christ. And because he was prophesying about Jesus Christ, now the people were wondering, what are you talking about? What are you referring to? And what Isaiah was referring to was, for the first time in history, we would be able to see the fullness of God. 
So when Isaiah prophesies about this, it helps us as the listener and those who are there to know that God wants to be with us. That's the whole, uh, the whole theme of this season, Christmas, which is pretty interesting that you would have, you know, people who are against Christ, but they celebrate Christmas. It's like, I don't like you, but I'm coming to your birthday party. That's basically what is happening. Like, oh, we don't want Jesus, but we want Christmas. I mean, I don't know how that works, but all I know is as a believer, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. So we're not celebrating the day, we're celebrating the person. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 19, Paul the apostle was telling the Ephesians how grateful he is and how thankful he is for their, not just their generosity, but for the grace that they give to people, the love that they have for God, and all that they're doing to spread the gospel. So Paul says to them, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. In other words, we're never going to be able to understand the full scope of God's love for us through Christ Jesus. And then he continues, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So where does the fullness of life and power come from? It comes from God. I think we try to live life to its fullest. We even hear that. We hear the phrases, you know, live life to its fullest, you know, live till you die or do whatever you need to do and, and just live free. But what God is saying and what his word is saying is the only way we live a full life and a full powered life, the only way we can do that is if it comes from God. That fullness, that word fullness means that which is filled with the presence, power, agency, riches of God and of Christ. That's what the Bible is talking about when it says fullness. It's not saying just, hey, do whatever you want. Spend all your money recklessly or just make whatever decision you feel like making and then live on the edge and just do whatever you feel like doing. That's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying there is a fullness that comes from being in the presence, being empowered by God, having the riches of God and of Christ. It's not talking about monetary form. Because how often we hear people who have a lot of wealth, but they're empty on the inside. And then you have people who have nothing, but they have the fullness of God. Which means you have everything. You know this phrase, God with us, Emmanuel, which means God with us. I think we can understand as parents, we can understand as grandparents. When my children were young, they would always want to be with me. And me with them. Like, have you ever sat down with your children and they're saying, Daddy, watch. Daddy, watch. Watch this. Dad, watch this. You're like, I'm watching, I'm watching. And then you turn away to look at your phone or you're watching TV. No, look. You're like, I saw you. I saw you ride the bike. I saw you ride the bike like 10 days ago. Every day you ride the bike. I see you. Like, you snap after a while because they're saying, watch, 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 watch. But they're saying that because they want our attention. Sorry, I know <laughs> we do snap. But our children want us to watch them because they want to know that you're with them. Not that you're in close proximity, but are you with them? Are you paying attention? Are you, are you loving them in the way of paying attention to them? That's what it means, God with us. It's not just his power. It's the fullness of God. It's everything of God. That's what he means that I want to be with you. It's more than just close proximity. There's a relationship that is built. My grandchildren, I mean, there, there is no mistaking that anytime I'm in my house and my grandchildren are around, they could be sitting down, they could be standing up, they could be playing. The moment 
I go to the ground to get something and I turn my back down, I become a horse, a truck, some type of train or, or a Jurassic Park dinosaur. It and you understand, right? The moment you go low, you're, you're the toy. So because that's just how it is. They, they take advantage of that. But they just want to be with you. They want to be there. They want to be in close proximity. That's called a relationship. That's the context of God with us. He wants to be in a relationship with us. So much so that when sin separated us from him, he made a way back to himself. See, we can all be filled with all of the fullness of God as we include these three truths that are a part of the fullness of God. And we're going to look at three of them tonight. Here's the first one. To remember this, that God is an initiator. Like God initiates things. He's not a, he's not a, 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 a lazy God. He doesn't sleep or slumber he is a God who is of action. He's a God who, when he created, the angels were singing. When he created, I mean, everything was good. If you read the book of Genesis, everything that God created was good. And then, of course, when he created man, he said it is not good, but not good that not man. It was not good that man should be alone. So be careful. It was not good that man should be alone. And because of that, we know that God is saying it's not good that we don't have relationships. Because God is a relational God. Because of who he is. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So because of that, there, there, there is a relationship there. They have always been in relationship. Relationship bleeds out of God. When Jesus came to this earth, everything was about relationship. Not just with himself, but with the Father. So God initiates, and he initiated Jesus to come to this earth. God will initiate. He's going to innovate. He's going to create. He's going to come up with an idea. He's going to plan. He's going to have a purpose. That's why you're created. God created us not just for this earth, but for eternity. He has an, in, he has an eternal plan for us. Every single person has a purpose. And if you're here on this earth and you're thinking, I don't know what my purpose is. I think my purpose is to make money, buy presents for Christmas, make people happy, and then drag the whole year until we're happy again. There's more to your life than just what it seems like. God has an unbelievable purpose for every single person. That's why he says, I want to be with you. Like he wants to see us in action with the ideas that he has for us in action with the purpose of him initiating something in our life and then us living that out. That's pleasing to God. That's our act of worship to him, says Romans 12. That's our act of service to God. It's, it's our, our, our lifestyle. And when God sees us in action, it's like now we're, we're connected with him as he initiates. There's, there's this story, well, not necessarily a story, but it, it's, a, it's a true story. But this one uh, time in history with the people of God where I, uh, Israel and Judah became a divided nation. So Israel split. So you have Judah and Israel, still God's people. But they're going through some difficulties. There, there are surrounding nations, and they're always being picked on. In other words, they are always at war. And it hasn't stopped since. It's still like that till this day with Israel. But in this, in this passage in Isaiah chapter 7, there's a king called Ahaz, and I'll read from verse 1. When, when Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king Rezin of, Ar of Aram, and Pekah, 
son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. So Jerusalem was the capital of Judah. So now here come these two kings trying to overpower King Ahaz, but they couldn't. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. So now they're all joining forces to come against Ahaz. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, go out, you and your son, Shear Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. How's that for like explaining how someone is? It's like, no, don't be scared of those twigs. Don't be scared of those skinny guys. You know, don't be scared of those whatever else words we use. He's just saying they're, they're no match for you. So they're all trying to gang up, and, and the word of the Lord is saying to Isaiah, tell him, don't worry about it. Because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and, one of, the, and of the son of Remaliah. He's saying, don't worry about these guys. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabil uh, king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. So they're trying to put together this little, their own uh, their own plan to take over Judah and then put their own king so that everyone is now in their own nation and they can take over that whole entire region. But the sovereign Lord says, it will not take place, it will not happen, for the head of Aram is Damascus and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. And then... He says this, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. In other words, he's saying if you have the faith, you can defeat these guys. If you have the faith, you're okay. If you have the faith as a husband, you can persevere. If you have the faith as a wife, you're going to be okay. If you, have a, if you have the faith as parents, you'll be fine with your children. If you have the faith as a married couple, as a couple, as a, as a person in the workplace, if you have the faith, no matter what is coming against you, you'll be okay. But if you do not have the faith to stand firm, you're not going to be able to stand. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, let the Lord your God, or ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And it almost sounds noble. Like, no, I'm not going to ask God. I'm not going to put him to the test. But then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. In other words, Isaiah is saying, you don't want to ask God for help? You don't want to ask him? Well, God is going to provide help. And here it is. He says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy, before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you 
and on your people and on the house of your father, a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. In other words, Isaiah is saying, God is going to bring a sign. And what's going to happen is you're going to see all of this land. You see all the surrounding nations, how they're thriving? Yes. Yeah, all of them that's thriving, they're coming against you and all of these different kings like ganging up on you? Yes. Don't worry about them. Why? Because God is with you. But there's going to come a day where it's not just going to be where we're saying God is with us. He's actually going to come to this earth. Really? How is that going to happen? A virgin will give birth. That doesn't make sense at all. So now Isaiah prophesies this. But it wouldn't be till hundreds of years later that this prophecy actually comes to pass. When he says that you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us, it means that God himself is going to come here. That God initiated himself to come to this earth. Why? Because sin separated us from him. And God is all about relationships. And because of that separation, God found a way for us to come back to him. See, it was God's idea for him to be with us. It was God's idea, and he initiated God with us. He initiated that, which means we didn't really do anything to deserve God. He came to us. You see, sin, sin took us away from God. God's love brought us back. It was God's love that brought us back to him. How? God came to us. Doesn't it say something about someone when they come to you? Like you're, if, you're, if you're at home and, and your, your spouse comes home, and you get up and you walk to the door, you open the door, you welcome them, you help them with whatever it is. Doesn't that say something to that person? Or if you come home and someone comes to the door and they, they greet you at the door and they say, hi, honey, or hey, dad, hi, mom. And, then they, and, and you're like, hey, well, thank you for coming to the door. Oh, yeah, I just wanted to help you. I just wanted to know, do you need any help with anything? You want me to take off your shoes? You want me to do anything? You want me to polish your nails? They come to you. That says something about them. And it also says something about their relationship with you. Now, I know for some of us, we might think, well, what do you want? Well, how, come, how come you come here? Why, why, why are you trying to help me? What do you need? How much money do you need? How much can cost? We're thinking that, but if they continuously did that and that was their heart to always wanting to do something and they initiated that, it would say something about that person. And, and that's what God did for us. He greeted us. He came to us. He came from heaven to this earth. And he came to us because God is an initiator. He initiates it. There was one night <laughs> we, I was, we were watching movies at home, and I'm sitting on the couch just relaxing. Don't you just enjoy those nights? You can just relax. And I'm relaxing, and then I smell something in the air. And I turn around, and Heidi's in the kitchen, and she looks at me, and it smells like cookies. And I looked at Heidi and I said, hey, don't play around. This, is this, is, are you making cookies? She goes, maybe. I said, no, okay, don't, like if you're just heating up the oven and there were cookies from last week and there's a smell still in there and you're going to make like a bread, then don't, don't mess with me. Like, 
are there cookies in that oven right now? She goes, why don't you come and look? And I'm thinking, now, I'm not going to walk to the oven and you tell me, come and look. And there's like a, a, a you know, toast. I, wanted, I want to make sure that this is cookies. And so sure enough, I go to the oven and there are cookies. And I said, okay, okay, we're halfway there. But we didn't have milk. I said, Heidi, we, we didn't have milk. And I, I know we didn't have milk because I checked this morning. She goes, really? I said, hey, hey, don't be messing with me. Like, don't play like, oh, really? And there isn't. So is there? She goes, why don't you check? I'm like, Heidi, I'm, I don't want to open the refrigerator and there's no milk. And then I got to, like, sacrifice and use juice because that's, that's, not, that's not biblical. So sure enough, I opened the refrigerator. There's a full gallon of milk. I was like, cookies and milk i felt so like like close to god at that moment you know those moments you just felt so good and and what i felt was i didn't have to ask her for anything she i'm I'm sorry i'm using cookies but that to me she took the initiative to do something that she knows i would love simple i know but it's just i I was thankful that she took initiative. God took so much initiative that all we need to do is pretty much show up. That's all we got to do. We just got to walk into the kitchen and say, cookies, or Lord, it's you. It's, there's just that God goes all the way, and then all he asks for is just, you just show up. I'll do my part. I am God with you. God with you. Imagine that. God with us. You know, when you're growing up, we would play rock, paper, scissor, you know, junk and pole. And then remember someone brought out God or Bible. It's like, what are you doing? It's the Bible. Nobody can beat the Bible. I'm like, you can't. How are you going to, how are you going to defend that? But the thought was, there's no one greater than God. And I think in life, sometimes we lose that. We lose the thought of there is no one greater than God. That God is the ultimate relationship that we would want to have. Because every relationship comes out of our relationship with God. Every single relationship. My temperature of my relationship with God is not my relationship with God. My temperature and measurement with, my, with God, my relationship with him, is my relationship with everyone else. First, with Heidi. How's my relationship with Heidi? That's my measurement with God. How's my measurement with loving other people? That's my measurement with God. That's why he says, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. How can anyone say that he loves God but hates his neighbor? So when God came to us, we have no excuse to come to him because he initiates. He does things in our lives that helps us to to take time to be with him. To slow down. Because if you ask yourself the question, what is God initiating in my life right now? Like, what is he initiating? What is happening in my life right now? What does it look like? And if you were to ask God or pray and say, God, what are you initiating in my life right now? What is your will right now? What is happening right now? And it could be that. It could be time with him, slowing down, resting, speeding up. It could be changing career. It could be serving. It could be focusing on your marriage, your family. It could be anything. But God is initiating always. Because he's with us. And that's good news. The fact that God is with us and he initiates means that we have someone with us to help us along in life when we can't see what is up ahead. And here's the other thing. Not only does God initiate, here's the second thing. That Jesus 
agrees. Jesus is the one that agrees with God. So God the Father, God the Son, when God initiates, Jesus says, okay, your will be done. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane before Jesus went to the cross? He was struggling with that emotionally. He was sweating blood. And then he asked his father, can this cup be taken away from me? And he says, but not my will, your will be done. Like, I will agree with you. I'm going to agree. And because Jesus agrees and God initiates, when Jesus agrees with the father, Jesus meets us exactly where we are. That's why in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 8, it says that he will pass through Judah, and speaking of the surrounding nations, particularly Assyria, that he will pass through Judah, he will overflow and pass over, he will reach up to the neck, and the stretching out of his wings will fill the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. In other words, Isaiah is saying, listen, the Assyrians are going to come over. These surrounding nations are going to come to you, and it's going to be flooding you, like, all the way up to your neck. Only your head is going to be able to, like, survive, which was Jerusalem. So you're going to be, you're going to be flooded, O Emmanuel, saying, don't forget that God is with you. This is who you are, the land of Emmanuel, the land of God is with us. This is who you are. Don't forget who you are. And when all of these surrounding nations come to you and you're being flooded, you're still going to be okay. No matter how many kings come against you, no matter who is trying to take over, no matter what is coming your way, you're going to be okay. You see, when Jesus showed up, by the time he came to this earth, the one who agreed with the Father to come to this earth, to die for those who wanted him dead, Jesus wouldn't be destroyed entirely, just like how, oh, Emmanuel, the land that God is with us, would not be destroyed. Is the same context of how when we go through what we go through, we will not be destroyed. Oh, we may be, like, we'll be drowning, we'll be up to our neck and things. Have you ever had days where there's so many things happening, it's like you're, 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 you're almost drowning that's what the Bible is talking about in this context. It's like the movies when you see the ship going down and, you know, they have, the, they have the, the, the guy who's like the hero and he's like, don't worry, I'm going to save us. And then the, the, the drowning, he's like, and then he has to swim under and then go back up for air. And it's like just enough for his head to be there. Don't you feel like when you're watching the movies, you're also holding your breath? You're like, you're going to make them. And you're, you're like, you're involved. But, there's, but something happens when you're up to, the, up to your neck with things, you, you almost feel suffocated, which is what Isaiah is talking about. He's saying, you're going to feel suffocated, so much so, but it's not going to destroy you. You're going to have so many things come against you, you're going to feel like you're done. But you're not. The death of Jesus Christ proves it. That when Jesus died on the cross, the devil was like, yep, he's done. But Jesus is the head of the church, and you cannot destroy the head. He's the head of the church. We're the body. Oh, we may be drowning from time to time. We're the body. We're underneath. But Jesus is the head. And if Jesus is the head, which he is, no matter what surrounds us, we're kept alive because he's, a, he's always above water. In fact, I believe he walked on it. We, we can't be destroyed. It's God's promise to us. You'll never be destroyed. Whatever surrounds us, whatever, whatever attacks us, God is going to initiate some things for us, and Jesus will agree with it, which tells me that if I'm surrounded by so many things in this season, God already knew. Jesus already was, I got this. I'm going to be with them. So it'll be okay. 
Now, as God initiates and Jesus agrees, here comes the third thing. And this is the greatest thing to understand. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers. The Holy Spirit will empower us. You know, once the disciples were called by Jesus, they were, they, they were the, like the processors. They were the, the microchips. They were the ones that were the resource that God would use to pass on what they witnessed for future generations, which we are included in that. So whatever they witnessed, they wrote down. That's why we have the New Testament. They wrote down everything they witnessed of Jesus Christ. But they needed, a, they needed something greater than that. They needed a power source. They could have written down things. And God gave them a power source. He gave them a resource. It was the Holy Spirit. See, they were tools that were used by God to declare the things of God. And they wrote it down for us to read about and to remember that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it's no different with us. We're tools to be used for His purpose, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit to function and work, to work at our fullest potential. My cell phone, your cell phone. If you have it, can you take it out now if you're not already using it? Uh, just hold it in your hand. I want you to notice something. If your screen is on, it's on because there's a battery in it. But imagine if there was no power. Is your phone useful? Yes, it is. You can beam people with it. You can use it to prop up things. You can use it to prop up things. Look at that. See? Maybe not this Bible because the thing is heavy. But look, it can, those of you on camera... This is a this is a thousand dollar prop for the Bible. It's the most expensive prop. And this also, like when we were growing up, remember if we didn't have a football, we'd use our slipper. You can play football with this. You can throw this far. You can play you can play dodgeball or dodge phone. If you get hit by this, you out, literally. But there are many things you can use this for. You can you can use this to like stop a fan. You can use this to uh, I don't know. You can use this. You can use this for many things. You can use this as a plate, you know. You can have poke on this plate. You can put sashimi. You can use this as a small dish of shoyu. You, you can use this for many things. But if you want to use this to its fullest potential, you need power. You need power to go with this. If, if it's not empowered, you can still use it, but you'll never use it for max capacity. You'll never use it for its fullest potential. I don't think any of us would purchase a phone and use it for those dumb things I said you can use it for. I mean, we, sometimes we do use it for things like this. Yeah, we do. But we use it to its fullest potential when it's powered up. Now listen very carefully. You and I, without the power of the Holy Spirit, can still function. We can still function. Yeah, we can, we, we can be used. But we will never reach our fullest potential without the power of the Holy Spirit. So when Isaiah said, God with us, in other words, what he's saying is, there's going to come a time where you will be empowered with the Spirit of God. That not only will God initiate things in your life and Jesus will agree with it, he's going to give you the power in which to operate at fullest potential. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, when Matthew wrote down what the angel would say and what, the, what Isaiah would say, 
the prophecy of, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. What Matthew was doing is he was just quoting what the book of Isaiah said. Because Isaiah already said that God is going to be with you. So my question to all of us tonight is simply, is God with you? Or are we like Ahaz and want things done our way? That we'd say, no, I'm not going to ask God. No, I don't want God's help. I'm going to do it my way. I am useful. But I just don't need to be empowered. I don't need the Holy Spirit. I can still do things. I can, I can slow down cars. I can be a speed bump. I can do simple things. I can be a straight edge. I can draw with this. I can be a shape. I can, yeah, we can do many things being without power. But if you want full potential, you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. And Ahaz said, I don't, I don't want to do it this way. I want to do it my own way. I don't want to do it God's way. I want to do it my way. We don't want to turn to God because of our own human reasons. And what we go through life, what we go through in life, will not be that which shapes us. Because sometimes we think, well, I, I've gone through this, I've gone through this difficulty, and, and because of that, I'm, I, that's why I'm the way I am, that's why I'm having difficulties, that's why it's such a struggle, because of these things that happen. But it's not, it's not the things that happen in my life that shapes me. It's, it's how I respond to the things in life that will shape me. It's always our response. What does our response look like? Well, I want to leave you with this scripture. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. Both of these verses tells us that God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Where's the church? Do this simply. Just point your finger like this. This is, and I'm going to show you where the church is. And then do this. This is very simple. Okay? Do this like. That's where the church is. You're the church. It's very simple. So when the Bible says that Christ is the authority and the head over all things for the benefit of the church, it's for our benefit. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. You want the fullness of God? You have him in Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate this season. That's why God came to us, because God wanted us to experience all of himself, the fullness of God in Christ. You know what is interesting? When Isaiah prophesied about Emmanuel, God with us, he really didn't have to say that God is with us because they knew God was with them. But what he was trying to say is there's going to come a day where as, as we read, read in Genesis, and Isaiah knew this too, that if anyone were to see God, they would die. So you can't even see God or touch him. In fact, in the Garden of Eden, the serpent said, if you, didn't God say if you, if you uh, uh, eat of the fruit, you're going to become just like him? In fact, it was Eve who said to the serpent, no, no, God just said if we, if we, uh, if we eat or touch of the fruit, which God didn't say to touch it. He just said don't eat of the fruit. But whenever there's a, a, a word play, you've got to pay attention to it. And when Jesus came and died for us, he was the one who when God initiated and agreed and was empowered, he was the one when he came to us, allowed us to touch him. People were healed. 
because they touched him. In other words, from the very beginning, God always wanted to touch us. But the devil used those words against us and caused us to be disobedient to God. And for the first time in history, Isaiah is saying, you will be able to see God and touch him and not die. In fact, it would be Jesus who touched us and died for us. That's what it means for God to be with us. Jesus himself took away our sin so that he could be with us. And God was to be with us. The question is, will we let him? I'm going to ask you to close your Bibles and call Grace into the keyboard. And in this season that God is with us, don't forget that although he says he is with us, we have to have that mindset of, God, I want to be with you too. Because it's so easy to forget about the presence of God. One morning, I was driving up here to church. And as I'm driving, I'm thinking of all the things I have to do. And I'm thinking of, you know, I have to strategize and, and put things together. So I have, like, this thing that I have to take care of, this that I have to solve, uh, these people that I have to meet with, uh, this that I have to put together. So I have all of these things that I'm thinking about. And, you know, uh, some of you use Siri. And I use Siri a lot. I'll say, hey, Siri, put in my notes or remind me. She's going to turn on. Uh, I'll say things like that. And then they're going to put a note or a reminder. So I'll do that often. And I, I, I just felt like this heaviness. And I was thinking, what is this heaviness? Why, why is it so heavy? What is it? Is it, is it what I'm thinking about? Is it, is it the things that I have to get done? What is it, God? Why, am, why, why is there a heaviness? What's happening? Like, the things that I have to do is, they're simple things. I've done things that were way more complex. And as I'm pondering on these things and, and even praying about it, I sense God saying, because you're trying to do these things by yourself. I'm, I'm with you. But you got to be with me. And it, it, was, it was just clear that I said, okay, Lord, I, gotta, I need to shift the way I'm thinking. So, God, can, I, I want to be with you right now. So I just, I, I shut down everything that I was thinking. I put on some worship music, and then I just started singing to God. Now, have you ever been in the car singing to God and you get emotional? Like, I got so emotional. Like, there's just this, something came over me. I, I know it was God's spirit just, just, like, cleansing me. And I'm just, I'm singing and crying. Like, oh, God, you're so good. You're so good. And I just, and, and thank God there was no stoplight or anything like that. And, but just, like, this overwhelming, overflowing love of God. That no matter what was taking place, no matter how much needed to get done, the fact that God was with me and I was with him was enough. And I said, Lord, even if all of these things don't turn out the way I would want it to, even if it's just you and me, if that's all there is for me today, what more can I ask for? That the God of the universe is mindful of me, that he would walk with me. He loves us that much. We get starstruck if we see a movie star and would be even worse if they said, hey, can I just hang out with you? <laughs> yeah, we would, like, we would lose it for some of us, your favorite actor or actress or singer or whatever it would be. But the fact that God 
our creator says, I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I just want to be with you forever and ever. That's why I died for you. Like he can just stare at us all day and be okay with that. He loves us that much. That's why he went through what he went through. That's why God initiated it. That's why Jesus said, absolutely. And that's why the Holy Spirit said, I will give them the power to do so. That no matter what we go through, God is with us. Amen. You bow your heads with me as we close in prayer. Lord God, we're so thankful that you are Emmanuel, God with us. That in this season that we're in, it can be so difficult because there's so much. There are things happening in our life, our family, our, our marriage, our children, our work environment, our finances, traveling and sickness and health issues. There are so many things. It feels like we're drowning sometimes. But the, the good news is that you are the head. You're the only reason why we can stay afloat. We're not going to be destroyed. We're never forsaken. You will always initiate what is good for us. And Jesus, you will always agree that what is best for us. And Holy Spirit, you will always empower us to do the impossible. Things that we can't think of ourselves and things we think we cannot do, you're able to do because you have the power to do so. We're, we're the clay. You're the potter. And you shape us, you mold us, and you empower us to do the very best that we can to our fullest potential. No matter where we are in life, I pray for all of us, if we're traveling, if we're at home, if we're at work, while we're driving, that we would be mindful that you are always with us. You are a good God. And everything you do is good. Even though we go through hard times, you can work all things together for good to those who love you, to those who are called according to your purpose. And every single one of us are called according to your purpose. May we love you because you first loved us. We thank you for being the God who is with us. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen, amen. God is good, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yes, he is so good. Next week, uh, next week Wednesday, we have our uh, Christmas program called The Gift. And I, I really want you to be here or invite people. And even if you don't invite people uh, next week, uh, Wednesday, if you show up, you're, you're going to see that you would want to invite someone. So what we're doing is we're having next week, Wednesday and Friday. So Wednesday we can attend. We'll be able to see what it's all about and to understand that there is a gift that God gave to us. But then we can invite people to Friday night. So when we come back next week, uh, just have that, we call it an evangelistic heart that you're going to reach out to people so that they too may have the hope of finding Jesus Christ. Just imagine, you and I, we can learn about these things with God, but for many people, they're still lost without Him. Oh, they still function, but they don't have the power in which to reach their fullest potential. We have God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit that empowers us. I pray that we would be able to be here next week.